Welcome in another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here on the Indie Star and IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz of Fox Sports 1260. But the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle. And Greg, we're up to episode six now, so we're almost uh, through the original, or I guess the second run of Star Wars for episodes. Not bad. It only felt like two or three hundred. It's only it's been six. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And the, actually, the it's all downhill from here because the best part we're talking about <laughs> drinking wine, and you say wine makes you angry. Wine has in the past made me angry, and I don't know. I have no idea why, but I just decided. You know what? I'm just I'm not going to test it anymore. My theory is that wine makes you angry because you're drinking it, and you realize wine sucks. <laughs> Everybody who's ever told me to drink wine because it tastes great, they're lying, which means they suck. Mm-hmm. I mean, wine. The concept of wine, much like the concept of cigars. Much like the concept of strip clubs, makes me angry because they all suck. And everybody who thinks they don't suck, you suck. I like those things in only very exact certain uh, concepts. In certain times, I like those things. I, I like I like a cigar when I'm golfing, which I rarely do. I golf like two or three times a year. I like to go to a gentleman's club for a friend's bachelor party, not my own bachelor party, which we didn't do, thankfully. Um, but outside of that, I'm with you. I've just it's like meatloaf. I've just said you suck. Two out of three ain't bad though, because you don't <laughs> suck on all three. But uh, yeah, my my bachelor party actually is the only time I've been to a strip club, and they took me against my will, and I spent the entire bachelor club out in the van we rented drinking from the the keg we had out there. Because I just the idea of and this this people might not understand this, and if you don't understand this, listen up and understand <laughs> this. Those women are only there because you got money. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason they're even looking at you. You are basically paying for a prostitute, and you're not even getting the orgasm. The hell are you doing? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I was not expecting to start this way on that the pod is, today. That is sexless prostitution, and I'm not saying prostitution's bad. What I'm saying is have more pride than that. Like, I, if I'm going to get a woman, good-looking or not, or just smart, whatever, to talk to me, it's not because I gave her 20 bucks. Yeah. Period. I have one fun fact about gentlemen's clubs, trivia of my life. I doubt it, but go ahead. I watched the Colts Bear Super Bowl at a gentleman's club. That's interesting. Uh, my roommate, who you know, who is a, a sports figure here in Indianapolis, <laughs> well, in central Indiana, I should say, my roommate at the time, we were both living on the south side, I said, hey, you want to watch the game? Sure. You pick the place, I said. And he goes, let's go to uh, this establishment on the south side. So we watched Devin Hester's opening kickoff. I was trying to move people out of my way so I could actually see because I'm the one person in there trying to watch the game while everybody's kind of dancing around and doing whatever. Uh, you know where I watched that game from? <laughs> I think it was at, was it Joe Robbie Stadium? Yeah, it was Miami, so I I think it was still Joe Robbie Stadium. I mean, then, it might be right? called Pro Player Park, might, whatever it was called. Whatever but, it was called then. But I was there for that yeah. actually, and, I, I, and the only reason I remember being there is because you mentioned Devin Hester's kickoff. Okay, that's right, I was there for that. Otherwise, I wouldn't. I would have said, I wonder where I was. But you mentioned Hester's kickoff. Okay, I was there. It's this amazing moment in Indianapolis pro sports history, right, Greg? Because it was the Colts' only Super Bowl here. Yeah. But it was a very forgettable game overall. I think people here remember it. I think it, it falls under the category of like the Raiders Buccaneers Super Bowl where you're like, oh, yeah, the Colts and Bears <laughs> played a Super Bowl. Rex Grossman played in it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I do remember that game for the Hester kickoff return and for Rex Grossman being in it. And it just kind of underscored that all year they won. And Rex is an Indiana kid, so I don't mean to crap on a local, but they they won in spite of, you know, it's sure. kind of like the, the, the Ravens or the whatever they were called when they when Trent Dilfer took them. Mm-hmm. I guess they were called the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think uh, overall, once the Colts beat the Patriots, that felt like the title. I mean, everything else was – that felt like a guarantee that they were going to win that game See, why the couldn't, Bears. why couldn't I have been there for the – actually, I was there for the Colts when they beat the Patriots. Never mind. But why why couldn't I be in this job when the Colts beat the Patriots as opposed to being in this job when the Patriots beat the Colts 
and then keep beating them every which way. And not that the Colts did not did not lose the trade. They did not lose the Dorsett Brissett trade no. at all. And I don't want to root against Dorsett, so I shouldn't even say this. So I'm not saying this. But my first thought, which is wrong, was crap. The Patriots got something good out of Indianapolis again. And granted, we got something very good too. But I just. I just assume the Patriots never have anything good happen to them that's involving us. I hear you. I mean, I get it from my father-in-law and brother-in-law were Patriots season ticket holders for like 20 years. Best man at my wedding is a huge Patriots fan, so I get it from everybody. Every, I, every time anything happens to the Colts that's bad or anytime anything happens to, to the Patriots that's good, I hear about it. And watch this. This is going to happen for sure because they these New England people, these these you people, because you're listening, some of you, you people, and it's not the people that would have their name on a Twitter account. It's all these anonymous fools, mm. you know, Brady for goat, and I mean, whatever. They're all. <laughs> it's weird. I've never seen a fan base. I've never seen one so ashamed of who they are. So they're all anonymous, and they're listening right now because I am the dog whistle. But that makes them the dog, and I love dogs. So never mind. But um, <laughs> but I think one reason why a lot of us, and I know the absolute reason why I'm horrified that Antonio Brown is a Patriot, is because it's going to work. I, mean, I don't think it should work. I think Antonio Brown's beyond saving, and yet just because the Murphy's Law is the worst possible thing that can happen will happen, the worst possible thing that can happen to me ever is New England being happy, and so therefore Antonio Brown's going to make them happy, which makes me miserable. What that franchise has put a master class on in is they are the kings of the no downside scenario where if Antonio Brown works, great. It's a coup for them, right? If Antonio Brown doesn't work, who cares? Let him hit the road. Bye. Josh Gordon, same thing, or any of these other guys that they've taken flyers on over the years. Let me say this: um, I I don't know much about Josh Gordon. I, mean, I know his I know his history, but I don't uh, like who he is. I don't know who he is. Antonio Brown's a narcissist, and mm-hmm. and narcissism is a I think it's a mental disease. I mean, he's troubled. Okay, and so I don't I don't take joy in saying that I don't like anything about Antonio Brown, but I don't. Um, whereas Josh Gordon, I mean, I, I I watched his press conference after the game yesterday or Sunday. I mean, he's likable. Yeah. He's likable. Now, he's troubled. I get it, and addiction's troubling, and I I mean, we can all be mad at this guy for having this lottery ticket and throwing it away or almost throwing it away, and that's not me, by the way, but if you're mad at him, okay, go for it, but he's troubled. But he seems like a good guy. Antonio Brown's troubled and seems like a horrible human being. So there's, I, like, and I know you weren't comparing the two. I'm just saying I want to make it clear that I realize there's a difference between a, a troubled guy but but a good man and just a rotten person. And Antonio Brown's rotten. Yeah, and we've kind of softened our stance, haven't we, on marijuana use and all of that. Look, I get that it's against the NFL rules, but in 2019, do people – we're not really clutching our poor, uh, pearls about marijuana, are we, anymore? No, but even if it was – let's just – oh, but even if it was Coke, and I think, yeah. it's, I think it's always been pot, but addiction's addiction, right? I mean, and if you can't stop doing it, you can't stop doing it. It's not because you're an idiot. It's because you can't stop doing it. And so I think – where we are now, yes, are we we're, we're beyond clutching our pearls. I think for the most part, and there's the few holdouts there always are, but for the most part, society is understanding that addiction is not a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Addiction is a disease, and if you don't have it and have never had it and don't know anybody who's ever had it, then then be thankful for those genes the same way you're thankful for the genes that maybe gave you hair or maybe gave you the color of your skin or whatever genes you got that you had no control over. That's what addiction is. Yeah, depression too. I mean, I, while we sit here recording this podcast on Tuesday, September 10th, it is national... Uh, uh, suicide Prevention Day as well. Yes. Okay. So well, I just thought that that was a good segue into that too. Well, let me hijack this for a moment. So I had my, I saw therapy this mo- my therapist this morning because I what I've been diagnosed with is 
anxiety that causes depression. And they're, they're two different things and sometimes hard to know the difference. And I didn't, I didn't even know. Uh, I was telling my therapist one time a, a year ago, so asking what's the difference. And she goes, well, I've diagnosed you with anxiety that causes depression. And I'm like, when were you going to tell me that? I didn't even know. Yeah. But um, so you say today, suicide prevention notice. So today, and boy, this is heavy, but we've already talked about you drinking wine. It doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. Um, <laughs> and strip clubs. And Oh, it doesn't get worse. <laughs> so I'm about to uplift the mood by saying that so my, today, my, my therapist, and she always gives me a little checklist, and there's three things on there. Have you thought about, do you not want to be alive anymore? Have you thought about what you'd do? If the answer is yes, what would you do about it? And if the answer to that is yes, have you made any steps in that way? And almost every time, the answer is, do I, do I have occasional thoughts that I don't want to be here anymore? Yeah, I do. I have them all the time, actually. Um, but there's a difference between that and being actively suicidal. That's more like... And I don't want this to happen for my kids' sake. You know, I don't want this mm-hmm. to happen for their, their sake. But in a very selfish moment, do I wish a building would fall on me all the time just because life seems so damn hard? And I realize I get it. If you're one of those people that, like I was 10 years ago that thinks, wow, you've got a nice job at the star and I'm actually listening to your podcast. Therefore, you must have some name recognition and you think it's too hard. Well, walk in shoes a little bit. I, uh, I wrote about Michael Beasley about 10 years ago. And I may have told you this before, Derek. Do you know the story? No, I don't know. Oh, this is a wretched story, but I got to own it. Um, he got drafted like third overall, second or third overall in the 06 draft, whatever mm-hmm. the draft was. O.J. Mayo went. Yep. So he got drafted really high. Derek Rose, I think, was the number one pick, right? I mean, Rose Mayo. So 09. Yeah. 09, what is it? That sounds right. About a decade ago, I was at CBS running amok and not knowing what I didn't know. And, and Beasley admitted or announced or it came out they had depression. He was in South Beach. And I, and I wrote, let me be 6'9", 240, have a million-dollar contract, whatever. Let me be living in South Beach and playing the NBA, let me see if I could live that life without being depressed. I wrote that. Mm. And uh, I I mean, a smarter person would never admit having written that because I'm not sure Google remembers, but I remember. And, uh, you know, it's 10 years later, holy S-H-I, you know, the final letter, do yeah. I, am I sorry that I ever said that? Well, so, I, I think it just goes back to, Greg, you don't know what you don't know when – just because you don't have something or just because you don't have a life experience or depression or whatever else, anxiety, that doesn't mean that you understand what someone else's life experience, depression, anxiety is. And I think that's it's, – it's easy for me to go on Twitter and be like, oh, Andrew Luck, you, you made hundred and you made $30 million the year that you had sh- shoulder surgery. What do you mean you were depressed? Right. $30 million and you were just sitting around, right, rehabbing. How could you possibly be depressed? You don't know until you're in that person's shoes. I was about to actually bring us back to the local sports scene by saying, and there's a lot of people that don't understand Luck, and on the surface, and only on the surface, do I get it that you look at Luck and you don't understand it. And I, I get it, but at the same time, try empathy, try, mm-hmm. you know, just sit this one out. If you don't know what you don't know, sit it out. And Lord knows I've embarrassed myself a million times in print, on Twitter, on the radio shows over the years, by saying things and making it clear that I don't know what I don't know. But stupid doesn't know it's stupid. Crazy doesn't know it's crazy, and I've been both. I might be both at this moment, actually. Well, it's good that you recognize all that, and this is actually cool that you're willing to share it on the the podcast as well. Yeah, I, I ruined it by being so harsh on Antonio Brown. I really did. <laughs> you know, like I'm being all sensitive and I'm revealing yeah. and vulnerable, and yet Antonio Brown's a miserable human being. But but he kind of is. He it sure seems like he, he is. seems like it. Uh, let's talk Colts and Chargers. I came away from that game, Greg, and you tell me if you disagree. I actually felt kind of encouraged with a discouraging loss, if that makes sense. I I was I was frustrated in the sense that the Colts to me, I thought the Colts gave it away with their mistakes. But there were a lot of things that I thought were positive that I think they could build on. 
And when you put it in the context of Brissett's first real start, 2017, you throw that right out the window, on the road against a team that is talented, that people think pretty highly of, I thought it was a, a, a decent performance. I felt better about the Colts Sunday night than I did on Saturday night. Really, I did. Oh, there's no question. No, same here, same here. Uh, and I'm and I'm the guy that, that wrote in Sunday's paper, hey, they're better than you think, and they're not going to stink and all that, and so 0-1 doesn't make me look very good when I say that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I should be disappointed they lost just so I wouldn't look so, feel so stupid maybe on Monday morning. However, it's not about me. Um, when the game ended, normally I go big picture, certainly on the first game of the year. Like, what does this mean? And, and oftentimes you're wrong, but what does it mean? But I, I didn't. I did not want to write positive. I didn't want to go, hey, guys, this is a pretty good loss. I, I, I wasn't going to do that. Um, so I actually texted my boss, Nat Newell, and said, what, what story ideas would you have? And he only asked me one question. Are you encouraged or discouraged? And I said, a little bit of both. I'm going to write about Evan and Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to write good news. They yeah. almost won. But I'm not damn sure not going to write bad news. They went on the road against a playoff team and lost – only because they gave it away. I mean, that's if you want to be encouraged about the season, you can be encouraged about the season based on that game, but I wasn't about to spend 1,500 words saying that. It reminded me a lot of the Cincinnati game last year where the Colts had no business losing that game. Doyle fumbled, remember, when they were oh, yeah. marching for the game-winning touchdown, and they lost, and I think you knew that Cincinnati wasn't going to be very good, but luck was back, and it just kind of felt like, hey, I, I think things are going to be okay. I felt like it was almost the same feeling with this – Maybe it's Brissett because I was kind of low man on Brissett, but looking as sharp as he did and the offense looking as strong as they did, a lot of the mistakes to me are correctable. I'm not sure about the kicking situation. We'll get to Vinatieri here in a little bit, but you know stuff like brain farts and and those things, those things are all correctable mistakes. This team very rarely has been undisciplined, especially with this new regime. Yeah, Danico Autry has not been a guy. I mean, this wasn't um, who was that guy that was always just uh, went to trade to the Packers, Antonio Freeman. Antonio Freeman? Uh, Antonio Freeman was the receiver. Uh, uh, you're thinking of the linebacker. Antonio Morrison. Yeah, yeah, Morrison. Antonio Morrison. Oh, by the way, that's what I do. Oh, I got a story to tell you. I got a story to tell you. Um, oh, this is so embarrassing. This is what I do. I combine names. Antonio Freeman, yeah. right? A Packer. Yeah. Antonio Morrison got traded to the Packers. That's mm-hmm. My brain just like grabs four facts and puts them together, and the puzzle doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. It's like Mr. Potato Head, and the nose is on the ears, and the ears are in the eyes. Like, it's close, but not quite. I do that with names. So, like, Calvin Johnson, to this day... Every time I say his name out loud, the Lions receiver, I have to stop and tell myself, wait a minute, Charles Johnson? Because I covered Charles Johnson with the Marlins. Yeah. Okay, and I do that all the time. So here's the embarrassing story. I mean, this is horrible. So I, I was at the Colts camp last week, and uh, or yeah, talking to Brian Hoyer, and ended up writing about 1,500 words about Brian Hoyer. And if you read that story, you'd think, I really know Brian Hoyer. Because, I mean, I went back in his background. and his, I mean, I I mean, I did what I did would do, which is I try to be an expert on this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm not, I'm trying to fool you. Well, oh my God. Um, so he played at Michigan State. Around the same time he played at Michigan State, around the same time, maybe the exact same time, but around the same time, the Big Ten had another quarterback at Ohio State. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. Bobby Hoying. Oh, I remember that name. Right. Yeah. Sadly, so do I. So I've called Brian Hoyer for years, Brian Hoying, for years. <laughs> and I know the difference, but my brain just Calvin Johnson, Charles Johnson. My brain just goes there. Because yeah. I was living in Ohio when Bobby Hoying played there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... My story the other day, <laughs> unbelievable. Knowing what I know that I'm going to do this with his name, I found my story. One of my editors read it. It posts online. We haven't tweeted it out yet. Another copy editor sends me a text message. And the text message said, like, word for word, Brian, Brian Hoying, question mark, is that some sort of literary device or is that a mistake? I merely called him. 
take it down. <laughs> don't tweet it out. It's a mistake. Oh, it's great. I do this, and so they had to change. I called him Brian Hoying. Yeah. After I'm talking about his his wife and his kids and, and the fact that he lugs this uh these pair of cleats for the last 15 years because he tore his knee up in those pair of cleats. Like I know all the stuff about the guy, but I called him the long last lo- wrong last name. We caught it before anybody saw it, and of course now I'm admitting it, but. Anyway, that's what I do. When you're in it, you're in it, right? You're you're riding away and you're just cruising right through and you probably didn't even think to yourself. Well, the problem is is that I I do these names there there's there's just enough like Brian Hoying is mm. close. Like I didn't call him Brian Smith. Mm. Brian Hoying and Antonio Freeman. So there's enough the Packer connection. There's a my problem is my editors this goes back to CBS this all the time. It looks just close enough that they read right over it too. Mhm. And then invariably a reader will let you know, or a million, hey, dumbass. And and you're right. I mean, that's, how can how can the first two words of a story about Brian Hoyer be the first two words? Be wrong, because the second word was hoying. I don't know. <laughs> well, I read the Vinatieri column, and I know you got that one right. Uh, sure with, about With Adam name. I, I double-checked just to be absolutely sure. Okay. What do you think about where the Colts go from here with Vinatieri? you chalking it up to... I guess you have to say back-to-back bad games, right? Because he was pretty miserable at Arrowhead last year in the playoff game, too. You do. That was in the snow, and it was also what nine months ago. So I, I don't. I mean, yes, it is back-to-back games, and yes, I wrote about that. But um, this wasn't back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. Where if I'm the Colts, what I do is just go into the next game and assume he's great. And if he's bad the next game, that's when they have to start thinking, okay, what's happening here? But as Frank Reich said after the game the other day, is that I watch this guy in practice every day. I watch him in training camp. He's he, he. It's not that he was the best kicker ever. He still is, and just happened to miss a few kicks. So that's where I think Adam Vinatieri is, and that's where I think the Colts are and ought to be. But I also think results matter, and it's too soon right now because again, two games in a row is so misleading when there's nine months in between. But if it happens two weeks in a row in the regular season. That's a major problem. Do you get worried, though, with Reich identifying that because even he admits that he is rose-colored glasses guy? You know, do we want to think, oh, everything's fine with Vinatieri. He's the GOAT, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and all the clutch kicks. Are we talking ourselves into it? No, I'm a big believer. I'm a big, big believer in track records. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody told me, well, the Marlins GM, Dave Dombrowski, 23 years ago when I was in the future going to correct, confuse Charles Johnson for Calvin Johnson. Dombrowski told me because they had a guy named Jeff Conine who hit 300 every year, and one year he was off to like a 230 start in June or something. And I asked him, Dombrowski, about Conine and his slow start, and he said, Jeff Conine has a baseball card. And the back of his baseball card says he's going to hit this. So uh, it's too soon to panic. Um, and that's always stuck with me. The part of the story that I should leave off is that Conine never never came out of that slump, and he ended up with the Baltimore Orioles and never came out of it anyway. So all things do come to an end. Track record doesn't mean you'll. I mean, Adam Vinatieri won't be a great kicker when he's ninety. Mm-hmm. It'll end at some point, but until there's more evidence than this one game, and again, KC in the snow nine months ago. I'm not. I'm not saying we've got two now. I'm saying we have one evidence. I need more than one. How many games do you think oh, you'd now, give it? One more week, just because I think. Okay. If, if he's, and I don't mean miss a kick. If he's, if he's two for three next week, three for four, no. But if he's, if he misses two next week, he's only done that about ten, twelve times in his career. If he does that again next week. That's a problem. I'm not there at practice. I don't see how he kicks in practice, and I get it. Games are different from practice, but not really for that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy, I mean, he doesn't care. Pressure isn't – so either he can make the kicks or he can't. So I, I, I give one more week without even thinking about it, but if he has a bad game next week, 
then you got to think about it. Then you got to maybe even bring somebody in and just see how the competition goes the following week. But I, I'm I'm sitting here as a guy who believes in track record saying Venteri will be just fine against Tennessee. And he's definitely not a rest on his laurels kind of guy. I mean, no. he, is, he is PO'd right now and embarrassed and all of that. So hopefully he can work himself out of this funk, whether it's a one-game funk, two-game funk, whatever it is here for, uh, for AV. Let's talk about positives. Jacoby Brissett, what were your impressions here in, in this kind of re-debut for him as the guy at quarterback for the Colts? I don't know if it was his very first pass. I think it might have been, but I'm not sure. But early, first series of the game, he threw the ball, I think it was his first pass, threw the ball right at a, a Charger defense back. Mm. And it was ended up being a catch. I think Deion Kane caught the ball. But the ball went right through. I mean, right through the chart. Do you remember that? Yeah, right yeah. through his hands. Like he he turned around. And look, I mean, like he looked angry at Kane. Like, how'd you do that to me? And Kane didn't do it to him. I mean, good for Kane for actually catching the re, the distracted ball or whatever. But we're talking a whole different story right now. If that guy just catches the ball, and Jacoby had nothing to do with the fact that he didn't catch the ball. It's kind of like when one team beats another team because a kicker either does or doesn't make a field goal, and you make these big conclusions based on one guy making one kick and it really has nothing to do with anything else. If Brissett, if that ball's caught, who the hell knows where we are right now? Who knows? But it wasn't, and Brissett was almost perfect the rest of the way. I mean, almost. In fact, in the first half, the worst pass he threw was that one. In the first half, he was 12 for 14, I think, and both incompletions were drops. He ended up 21 for 6 or 7 and had 4 or 5 drops. I think he had may have had one legit bad pass, and the other ones were dropped or batted down by somebody. So pretty remarkable. Or whatever the Ebron thing was. Was that a catch? Was that not right. a catch? Whatever it was. And that Funch, was a perfect strike. And Funch just caught that ball, probably the one that, that where he hurt himself, but Funch mm-hmm. just caught that ball in the back of the end zone and just was out of bounds. But like that's, if that's your worst incompletion of the day, you've had a pretty good day. And a lot of fans were complaining about the vertical passing game. I, I, I think that he only had a very small handful of throws over 10 yards. But I actually liked what Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni did here. You've got a young quarterback who is – Reacclimating himself as the guy, right? You're on the road against a good team, a good pass rush, Ingram, Bosa, all those guys. I thought they just wanted him to be calm and comfortable, and I thought he was calm and comfortable, don't you? Oh, well, he was. And let's remember last year, and this wasn't just because Andrew Luck was coming off the uh, shoulder. If you remember the first three or four games, and I'm, I remember writing after like the third or fourth game, I think it was in Philadelphia, I wrote, This is getting weird. Andrew Luck threw the ball 60 times yesterday for 230 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, this is weird how they're dinking and dunking him. But as Reich said, we're giving him more and more as the season goes along. And that wasn't just about his shoulder. So I don't want people to say, yeah, well, Jacoby's healthy. It's not about the shoulder. It's about the confidence in the new system. And granted, the system's not brand new to Jacoby, but he's a brand new starter in this system. And I think that's the culture saying, we're going to get your confidence up. And so in week three or four, when we need you to throw down field, you're going to be ready to go because you've been nailing every pass up to that point. That's what I think is happening right here. And hell, you can get away with it where you're going to run for 200, right, on the ground. Well, so. his pass rating was 120.7, and mm-hmm. granted, not much downfield, but if he has a 120.7 at the end of the season, he's all pro. Yeah. Even if he has 16 games just like this, he will be all pro. So I got no problem with it. Yeah, you'd sign up for Brissett's stat line every the game of the week, I would think. I, I know under under 200 yards isn't ideal in 2019 NFL. I get it, but my expectations for him just maybe aren't as high as some others are, and, and I thought he was very, very sharp. Uh, what about concerns with the defense? I know you wrote a little bit about that, too. Yeah, you know, Darius Leonard um, is the best linebacker they've had in, you know, in forever, but um, and, and it's too early to say this, so I'm not, I'm not saying this, but I'm just mentioning that he did come in 15 pounds lighter. And he said it'll make him. It was on purpose. He said it'll make him faster, and, and he's got no worries about it. So okay, but yesterday was one of the first games where you really don't notice Darius Leonard. I, mean, I didn't notice him. Mm-hmm. 
or two days ago. He had the first tackle of the game, and then we, that was it. Yeah, he just didn't do Felt much. Felt like. I think Anthony, Walker had a great game. Walker had more tackles than he did. I think Darius Leonard ended up with seven, which is not a bad game, but Darius Leonard is a guy that averages 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. So for him, it is kind of a bad game. And they ran the ball a lot, and they ran the ball with success. And through screen passes, the worst play of the game for the Colts defense was when screen pass to Eckler, Eckler, whatever the hell, um, <laughs> and he goes 55 yards with it, but he only went 55 because Darius Leonard tracked him down like he does, tracked him down – We've seen Darius do this a bunch where he tracks you down, makes a tackle, and with one hand pulling the ball free as he's bringing you down. Mm. And Darius did all of that, and not only did he not get the ball, he didn't get the tackle. At the exact same time, Desir was hitting him, didn't get, got trolled. Desir got hit, got trucked. And then Malik Hooker, who had that great interception. But Malik Hooker bothered to run all the way down the field to get close to Eekler at that moment. And I guess he just kind of assumed that Leonard was going to tackle him because Eekler then kept running down the field and and... and and Hooker's like right there waving him goodbye, like have a good trip, mm. bon voyage. I'll see. I'm right here. I'll see you <laughs> later. That was a terrible play, and that wasn't just one guy missing a tackle. That was no. half the damn defense. Yeah, that was the whole unit. And and missed tackles were kind of a theme of the day. That play with Eckler was the the most blatant one, clearly. But th- that seemed to be an issue for them for most of the day. Uh, I'm not really that worried about. I think Leonard's numbers, Greg, were going to take a hit anyway because the Colts are asking him probably to do less in this defense with some improvement in talent around him than last year where he kind of had to be the however many tackles he ended up with 180 or whatever it was from last year he had to be that guy yeah that, that's that's all possible and just like I said I'm a believer in track record Darius's track record's not quite as long as Vinatieri but he's got the back of his football card says he's incredible for one year so I'm not saying he's not incredible anymore but I'm saying he had the worst game I've ever seen him have, mm-hmm. and this is the only game I've ever seen him play it, weighing 210 pounds. I wonder if they're connected. Just like with Ben Terry, it'll, it bears watching going forward. It doesn't bear panicking, but it bears watching going forward. Uh, interesting game now the Colts head into in Nashville against the only unbeaten team in the AFC South because everybody else lost. That would have been terrible last night at Houston held on because then you'd have a, a week one where the Colts gave away a game against the Chargers, and Houston went to New Orleans and won, and Tennessee went to Cleveland and won, but... I get that it's National Overreaction Week, uh, Greg, here in the NFL, but that Tennessee performance, that raised some eyebrows, no? I mean, they smacked around Cleveland in that game. Yeah, and that's because we've all bought into Cleveland being potentially really good, and and on paper, their talent level is, I mean, there's a reason we're all Mm -hmm. saying it. Their talent level is ridiculous. So yeah, for Tennessee to do what they did, I thought yesterday was a bad day for the Colts. I'm sorry, Monday, Sunday, well, and Monday, the weekend. A bad weekend for the Colts because, A, the Titans apparently aren't bad, B, the Texans apparently are pretty good, too, despite losing Clowney. Yeah, they lost, but look at the way they lost and look at who they lost to and where they lost. And Watson is so by far the best quarterback in the division oh. that when it, whenever you have that, then you're going to be in good shape. Well, Will Fuller coming back, I, I didn't – I mean, I know it, it has an effect, but they said something last night on the TV where when when Fuller plays, um, Watson's QBR, pass rating, or both is like so significantly higher. Mm-hmm. He, his numbers without Will Fuller on the field are kind of average. With Fuller on the field, he's an all-pro quarterback. Fuller's back on the field, so that's a, and, and and Tunsil, you know, if they can, of course, it didn't. He got hit last night a bunch, so maybe we'll see what happens with that. But they allegedly shored up their protection. hadn't happened yet. It's just kind of hard for me to. You talk about track records. The Colts' track record against Tennessee. If you guys are listening to this, get a chance to do this later today. Search Colts Titans database on Google, and they'll pop up all the results all time of the Colts and Titans and look specifically from 2004 on. And the Colts have owned Tennessee like no one else has owned anyone. They've, they've owned Tennessee more than the Steelers have owned the Browns. I mean, it, it's in, more than the Patriots have owned the Bills. 
it's insane what the Colts have done against Tennessee. And I get that twenty nine. What does twenty nineteen have to do with two thousand four, two thousand nine, or two thousand and thirteen? Right. But Greg, every every time the Colts play the Titans, it just feels like the ball just bounces their way. And boy, do they need it to bounce their way because it's still early. But you'll be in a two game hole in the division if you end up losing this game coming up here on Sunday. Yeah, and I um I do believe in the back of your football card, but I I don't just like I don't believe in in that. Although clearly it's happened. But as you were saying, I mean, it's got nothing to do with what's going to happen this weekend. But, and I think most of these guys in this team, I don't even know if they know. I mean, they yeah. How many of them were around for any of those? So I'm not sure how much pressure outside of last year. Right? Are they putting pressure on themselves? We got to win this game because we always beat. I don't know if they know. And, and mm-hmm. ignorance is bliss in this case. But yeah, the the more concrete, the, really the only concrete thing to think about is not that oh we can't beat Tennessee anymore either. Not that, but yeah, we're two games back after two games. It's a bad spot now. You know, this being the first year after Andrew, I don't want to. Even though I've already written, I think they're going to be okay with it with Jacoby. I don't care about being right so much as being fair. And uh, no, zero and sixteen is not good. Zero and two is not good. None of that's good. But I just, you know, when you even say that about, and I say it out loud too, that yeah, two games back after two weeks is not good. No, it's not. But that's that implies that we're kind of judging the season how you judge the average NFL season, and it just, it just, I don't think it can go that way. And they came back from one and five. They came back last year. They came back from zero and two. What year was that? Fourteen and went all the way to the AFC Championship game. It's actually kind of stunning to think that they've lost nine of their last ten season openers. It's insane because this was a team before you got here, Greg. That routinely they would go undefeated in September and October. Like it would be shocking when the Colts would lose their first game of the year. People, oh my, oh my God, the, the Colts lost, and it'd be like they'd have the division wrapped up and everything. It'd be you'd be sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner, and the Colts just lost for the first time all season. And now you open every season up with a loss. It feels like. Yeah, I got a few funny, cute little tweets from people. When I tweeted out the the my Vinatieri column or something and, and they lost and a few people said ah well that's it's what we do around here we we lose the opener and, <laughs> and I mean I thought I thought that's kind of funny that you're actually relaxed about this and it's kind of silly and funny but I'm like I didn't know that history I maybe I should yeah. know that history I've been here for five of these I guess but I didn't know well and it's just important not to overreact to one game just like Tennessee shouldn't overreact to one game um, the Bears shouldn't overreact to one game one game is one game right. so whatever um, you don't like the OT rules. You're one of the many who don't like the OT rule. I hate the OT rule. I hate it. and <laughs> Because, uh, granted, and I hate the Neanderthal, it might be your, I, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but the Neanderthal rationale is, well, if we can't stop them, we don't deserve to win. Yeah, but the only reason that even came up is because you lost a coin flip. Right? I mean, if both teams yep. get, get the ball and they go 100 yards on you and you don't go 100 yards on them, then yes, you don't deserve to win because A, you couldn't stop them, and B, they, they did stop you. But if the whole reason they had the ball in their hands is they want a coin flip and you couldn't stop them, the only thing I'm in favor of with if we want to pull if we want to pull the Neanderthal card, well, if you can't stop them, you shouldn't win. How about this? Whoever wins the coin flip, you go score, or you lose, because you got the ball in your hands, you got a chance to win if you win if you score. Oh, even, interesting. Even a field goal, yeah. you've won. But if you don't get even a field goal, the game over. Because otherwise, it's not fair. It's just not fair. And I'd be saying this, although we wouldn't be talking about it, you wouldn't be asking me this, but it's just not fair for a a god dang coin flip to determine who gets the ball and the offense might never get it if you lose the coin flip. It's stupid. How I view it is the coin flip was so bad where it was golden goal, right, sudden death. Because look at what New Orleans did last night. It's so easy in 2019 for Drew Brees or Tom Brady or whoever, D- Deshaun Watson, to go 60 yards in two plays. These yeah. guys can roll out of bed and do this with one hand tied behind their back, and then you, you kick a 58-yard field goal. These NFL kickers are so good, they can make those kicks. So 
it's an improvement on the original coin flip rule. So that's why I've been more okay with it. Uh, I think in the playoffs, though, I'm totally with you. Both teams should possess the ball in the playoffs. The Chiefs-Patriots situation last year, and I'm not just saying this because New England won, both teams should get a shot. Well, you've got a championship on the line, a Super Bowl on the line. You should let both teams possess the ball. I'm, I'm with you. There's no doubt that this is an improvement on – I mean, at least you've got to score a TD to win. Okay, that, I mean, that's better than the field goal. Mm-hmm. So this is better, but it's kind of like saying – uh, red wine sucks, but apparently <laughs> Shiraz is okay. No, Shiraz sucks too. It just sucks less. I don't think I've ever had Shiraz. Me neither, but it sounds good. I've had wine coolers. Those were okay. They're terrible. Too. I liked Zima for a while. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Let's fit in a quick college football. There's really not much to opine about. We're still in the very early portions of the season. But Zima, really? Yeah, big Zima guy. Uh, it came back. It was super popular. Yeah. You never liked Zima? I, I Anything that trendy... No thanks. I just can't do it. Like, everybody says this is really good. Guess what I'm not going to do? Now, the problem is I'm, I'm often wrong. The, things are trendy because they're good. <laughs> and, like, I, I refuse to watch Game of Thrones for about five years. Like, everybody's talking about Game of Thrones. Screw this. And then I actually gave in and started watching it about three years and ago. And they're like, this is great. I've now watched it twice, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm reading book three right now. So, I, yeah, I'm an, I'm an idiot. I was a very different person. That was a, It was a hard transition out of the 20th century and Y2K and – I was drinking Zimas and had <laughs> I had six piercings and you did a backwards upside down visor. Yeah, I had I had my tongue pierced. Uh, I I don't know why I was that person twenty years ago, but I, don't I was. Know why I'm sitting in a closed <laughs> booth with that person? <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, nice bounce back win for Purdue. I thought against Vanderbilt, Indiana just beating up on an inferior opponent. But anytime Indiana beats anyone, fifty-two nothing in football, I think it's a a good deal. Well, if you're a if you're a Big Ten school and you think you might be decent. You have to win that game 52 nothing. Yeah, I you agree. You have to. You mm-hmm. can't win at 37-13. Especially after Ball State, you know, gave him such a hard time that if you if you then beat Eastern Illinois 37-13, that's a problem. But if you beat him 52-0, there might be something there. Um Purdue, how about Rondell Moore's off to a better start this that's year? That's insane. And how about and I hope Dude, it's a video okay. game. He's nuts. Yeah. I hope Elijah Sindelar is okay and can play this week Me too. because he's on I mean, he's leading the country in passing yards. Mm. And I don't think anybody around here is terribly shocked you combine Jeff Brom with Rondell Moore and all those the receivers they have Elijah Sindelar we've seen him throw he's got a rocket arm you combine all these factors together and it's really like I mean if you told us two weeks ago that he's gonna be leading the league the country in passing yards after two games I mean yeah we would have said really that's interesting I don't think anybody would say knock me over with a feather yeah not with that kid's arm no and no offense against Sindelar or Blau I mean Blau was in NFL camp with the team those guys are very talented but can you imagine when Brom gets like a four-star, five-star, top 100, 150, anything close to like, let's say, a Rondale Moore level quarterback in that system? With with Think about the skill position guys that he's already gotten with Moore and David Bell for Moore and Central. I mean, it's been a huge upgrade compared to what we saw a couple of years ago. So I think a critical game for them now, TCU, they're, just, they're a three-point favorite. We'll see what happens with that before they enter the Big Ten season. Uh, Greg Collins on Vinatieri. Also, uh, congratulations on your Sports Corps award. That's awesome. That that, that must have meant a lot to you. That was mind blowing. Yeah, they. I mean, Jeff Gordon was there. It was the the big winners were Cindy Simon Scott and Jeff Gordon. I was kind of the entree, uh, the appetizer, before they won their thing. But but to actually be there and they 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 introduced me with a video and I mean this is like it was kind of embarrassing but touching. But it was a three minute video about me and Tyler, and and then about just me and how I do my job and. I mean, Mitch Daniels. I mean, I had the former governor of our state saying incredible things about about me. I mean, I was it was mind blowing 
So he's a Republican governor saying that, and then I go make my my my, my acceptance speech or whatever I did for about five minutes. I walk off, and and the Democratic mayor of, of Indianapolis is in the front row, Joe Hogsett, and he's standing up clapping <laughs> for me and stopping me and shaking my hand and telling me, you know, I mean, just just to get, I mean, those two, I mean, that's just like, I, I don't even know how, where to go else to go from here, but it was mind-blowing. And as I said, real quick, I want to make this clear. As I said at the at the, at the the thing, um, the the award is called, I think, the Inspirational Storyteller Award, something like that. Um, as I said, Tyler Trent lived his life in a way that every day told inspirational story, every day. And I just came along and wrote it. Like, I just wrote it. So let's let's be real about that. But you have a gift with that. And I think this was a recognition of that gift that you have. Well, I appreciate that. I, I mean, I, I, all I know, all I know is, you know, some, so, sometimes the ingredients are so good that the chef can't screw it up. And Tyler Trent's so good that I couldn't screw that up. And I'm the guy that wrote Michael Beasley, blah, 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 blah. So I, <laughs> I can screw stuff up, but I couldn't screw this one up. Every once in a while, the loaf of bread gets burnt in the oven. But for the most part, the loaf of bread is delicious yes. of what, what you're able to bake, Greg. you got to give yourself credit there. Oh, thank you. At Greg Doyle Star. We started with strip clubs, and we'll end with that nice, huggable, teachable moment there. Uh, at Greg Doyle Star on Twitter. Uh, Indy Star, of course, also Fox Sports 1260, Corian Schultz Afternoons, and at Schultz975 on Twitter. We'll see you next week for Episode 7, recapping Colts and Titans. Have a great one, you guys. 